Welcome to Elixir Outlaws, the hallway track of the Elixir community. Hello? Well, hi there. Well, hi. Hi. Hi, Anna. How are you? Okay, how are you? Good. I'm just hanging out here in San Francisco. I see that. <laughs> All right. I found the I found the background button on Zoom. So nice. <laughs> Love it. How's it going, y'all? It's been a while. Good, good. Super busy lately. Not getting the projects done that I should get done. You know, just normal life. You guys ready for ElixirCon? I am. It's like a huge break. Get to breathe, talk to people that I like. I'm looking forward to the break part for sure. <laughs> like, I'm not ready in the sense that uh, I'm not prepared. Same. But I am super ready in the sense that I am emotionally ready to not be at home and to be in Aurora. <laughs> yes. I have, so I have mentally and emotionally prepared myself for ElixirConf. Nice. I, I, I am uh, I'm pretty pretty darn excited about about Lazy River Conf also. Yeah. But, and and the day that this comes out will be after it's all over. <laughs> no, that's not true. No, after after the Lazy River Conf is over, right? And, 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 oh no, that's Wednesday. Lazy River Conf. That's right, Wednesday and Thursday. So it'll come out the morning of. So if you hear this, well, morning after day one. <laughs> morning after day one. That's right, and then yeah, or the. Day yeah. one. Yeah. This will come out on day one of Elixir Conf. Whoa. Day one is my favorite uh, StarCraft shoutcaster. That's a joke no one else is going to get. I Never don't mind. think I understood the words that just came out of your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Me neither. <laughs> it's a, I, that's, I do happen. I know somebody in the community who will probably get that, though. It's, it's a joke because that's not the right name, but it's close to the right name. I but it doesn't either. matter. It doesn't matter. It's the, it's the bit... It's never mind. Forget it. <laughs> it's a failed bit. I, I, I regretted it as soon as I said it. It's all good. It's the, the second the words were out of my mouth, I was just like, no, and I was trying <laughs> to get them back. So uh, I, I talked to Martin Gospy. He's Martin. 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 He bought a game that we played at a last Elixir comp. So I told him he had to put it on his carry on and bring it with him and we'll play it. If not, I might bring some games because. Martin is a whole lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to being able to catch up with him. Yeah, I'm really glad he's going to be there. He, I didn't know he was going to he was going to be there. And then we were chatting on, I think IRC or Slack or something like that. I'm really excited uh, that he'll be making the trip across the ocean to Aurora. To Aurora, Aurora. <laughs> but really, the hottest destination in America right now. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but there's a water park, so we're good. Yeah. Should should it's we, a really uh, dry heat though? Should we? <laughs> that's that's the that's the benefit about being up in those mountains is it's a really dry heat. They told me that same thing before I went to the yeah. Middle East. <laughs> it's a really dry heat. Yeah, so that makes it okay, right? Yeah. It, well, no. it, I mean, it, I mean, it, it, you can wear you can wear pants, which is uh-huh. uh, that's always a plus to me. Yeah, I don't like it when people don't wear pants. No, no, I just mean like for me personally, like I like wearing pants. Uh, okay. As opposed, if I have to, to choose short? between pants and shorts. Or some sort of you know utilikilt type situation. I'm definitely like going with the pants. So, well, you know, I mean, so every now and then you need to carry around a Leatherman and a banana and a pomegranate and a small child and 
a ruler and a calculator and a hasp cargo and a hammer yeah definitely. and all those fit conveniently inside of a utilicil <laughs> good to know i'm gonna keep that in mind or cargo <laughs> pants. cargo pants work too right yeah same thing for the person both, who needs both of them you look awkward walking around <laughs> is it hot in chattanooga right now Oh my gosh, it's awful. It's so bad. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's Aww. it's really terrible. I'm not looking forward to that part. It's been in I mean, it's actually not been so it's not as bad as it was last summer. Yeah, but it is uh it's really, really hot and mostly it's really humid. Like really, really humid. Do you have it's the almost thing? as though like it's almost as though like the ice caps are melting or something and then there's all this extra humidity <laughs> that's coming around the rest of the world. I don't know. Who could say? But that's just like my belief, man, or something like that. Right. So, but anyway, it's melting the Amazon burning. Yeah, it's it's unrelated. Look, these are cyclical things. These just right. happen. Okay. Right. Um. Anyway, so uh, I, I think yeah, we should check get your it. science at the door. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> in any case, uh, it's very humid here. Just like programming, check your science at the it's door. It's very humid. I've been running <laughs> more and lately. And I feel like I, I've never sweated this much in my entire life. Well, oh, last week we had it, a, it's, a it's, it's legitimately the most humid I've felt since leaving Florida. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. It's been pretty bad up here. Last week we had a heat index of 106. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I take you know, it. You all have central air. Yes. But yeah. That yeah. day, it didn't shut off all day long, and the house was eight degrees higher than the setting. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. You, you only, in most, even in like very well insulated houses, you only get, AC only lets you drop, depending on humidity, only really lets you drop about like 20 degrees. Yeah. Off of whatever the outside temperature is. Oh, jeez. So like, if you know you start getting up, higher and higher it's something around those it's something around that and obviously if you don't have a perfectly insulated house like it starts to drop off really quickly you could do some fun things like run your hose over top of your fence Mm -hmm. and your air conditioner and drop it like another 10 yeah but around here the problem is you just got to get the humidity out of the house wow this turned into like full-on old man dad cast like (laughs) so quickly this is so boring oh my gosh no we have to change the topic now all right so I think we should get, get it to Amos. Take the wheel. Get us out of here. <laughs> I think when we're at ElixirConf, we should make a trip over to Casa Bonita. And What's that? Casa Bonita. There. <laughs> it's a Mexican restaurant in in Aurora with cliff divers inside. What? Amongst yeah. other things, it's sort of <laughs> like it's Mexican it, Chuck E. Cheese. It's <laughs> it's it's like if someone went to Disney World and then saw some of the like you know the design aesthetics uh, and mm-hmm. like the way they build like restaurants and stuff. And then they were like, what if it was like that, but even more Midwestern <laughs> and then. Cool. And then, Definitely and, has to go there. And, and then like, and made it even bigger and more bombastic. All There's the like a cave room. Yes. Black Bart's cave. How have you been to this place already? Or you just looked at my, it? my brother lives there. Uh, I lived in Oklahoma <laughs> for exactly one year. I think the one in Oklahoma is closed now. I think the Colorado one's the only one left, but they had good empanadas. But I don't really know how you could screw up dough and sugar. So, you know. So, uh, yeah, they have like a little flag that you move up a, a flagpole on the edge of your table when you want them to bring you more dessert. 
and they just keep bringing you more and more and more. Yeah, you he raise the flag. flag up. Yes, Garcon, please bring the empanadas. Listen, if this flag is up, I don't I want to I want I don't ever want a moment of not empanadas. Oh my god. Yeah, they they like set them on your table and lower the flag and then you just put it right back up. <laughs> it's the only good thing at the restaurant though. Other yeah, I was going to say games. Usually restaurants that involve those kinds of games, the food is, you know. Oh man. They they have bands that walk around like mariachi bands, cliff oh divers, god. people dressed as <laughs> apes. It's you really say weird. cliff divers. What does that mean? They have a three-story cliff inside the building. Oh wow. And a little pool at the bottom of it. And well, I mean, it it's, shows it's big, around. It's a cliff. pool that's big enough to support people jumping off of said cliff. Yeah, but it's not cliff into like, the pool. It's like <laughs> diving into a hot tub from 30 feet in the air. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's <so> weird. <laughs> Including the fact that that water probably doesn't recirculate. So it just sits yeah. there. Like, gathering, I'm going to pass on that one. It, well, you can get a table right next to the waterfall and you too can get splashed while eating bad Mexican food. Yeah. Everyone who walks near it just picks up hot tub folliculitis, like, <laughs> you know, like it's like a contact high. Oh my God. <laughs> Sounds really good, y'all. I'm really excited. Yeah. It's going to be really fun. But I'm sure, you know, I'm sure all the pools and whatnot will be perfectly clean at the indoor water park. Yeah, that's always so It'll be fine. You I know, think, is the Lazy good. River outside? I don't know. The Lazy River is outside. I did call Lazy Rivers open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Mm. So if at any point in time you want to talk and you find me traveling around the conference, just poke me and be like, hey, we're going to Lazy River and I'll just turn around and go with you. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Which the means you should tra- have the plenty of Lazy River. It's going to be amazing. Just off the... In the hallway track, off, yes. Yeah, off the chain. <laughs> Definitely. Off the inner tube in the Lazy River. This is this is going to be our best episode ever. <laughs> I'm sad I'm only going to be there for a day. Yeah, that's. I mean, I'm. You know, best wishes to the to the happy couple and all that. But you know, also could couldn't they have like found a better time to do this? Okay, I know, right? like or really taken into consideration like all of our schedules, know, or, right? or just done the wedding in Colorado. I mean, I know, right? Like you could have just hopped off for an hour and come back. It's true. I mean, yeah. They could, they could have had their bachelorette party at Lazy River Conference. It's exactly where they would have wanted to do it. <laughs> really yeah. Aurora, again, hottest destination in the United States right. right now. I'll be right back. Hold on one sec. Okay. She said a half hour. I think she lied to us. Now she's running away. <laughs> uh, so I, I am legitimately excited. I'm excited to be there. Uh, the family is ready to go. We're ready to get in the car and drive the... 20 hours it's going to take to get there. I'm driving too. You're going to bring the fam. I'm going to bring t-shirts. Well, you can, we'll, we'll, we should caravan. We should. We're going right through your, through your neck of the woods. We should. Are, and you're going to stay in the, in Topeka, the ghetto. Wow. That is, <laughs> that's culturally insensitive. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> so I had, I had to say that. I just, uh, I just need to, I need to make it clear that the, that Amos does not, uh, Amos is canceled. <laughs> Wait, All right. you know Jeffrey Utter, right? I work with Jeffrey Utter. Yeah, so I, I thought you should. <laughs> so, so he lives in, in Topeka. I'm right. aware of all of this. So he complains. He didn't complain. Complaining is not right. He talked about how our last episode, we talked about how bad his hometown is. 
And you even said like, he'll be fine <laughs> or something oh, like no, that. He, I, he thought it was funny. I'm pretty sure. Okay. And if he didn't, we still love you, Jeffrey. Not everything from Tibetan is horrible. They have a great farmer's market. <laughs> but yeah, it'll be fun. The hallway track is uh, it's going to be lit, I think is what the kids say these days. So should be good times. I just got to get, I think I'm, I'm making good headway on my talk. Norm is coming along. I, I, ha- I had a breakthrough. What was your breakthrough, a, Norm? I had an actual breakthrough. I broke on through to the other side. That it needs to work at compile time. That would be cool. Mm. It won't, but it's cool. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no. What are you guys talking about? Norm. I had a breakthrough last night. Finally. Oh. Like it fin- I, like, I finally, I've been, I've been sitting here and like thinking about this problem for forever. Uh, and I finally worked it out, and, uh, which was very exciting and highly motivating. It's like, those are the moments I live for. The moments that those are, those are the ones that get, that get me through the long hours and the, and the cold nights. But yeah, I mean, I, I've, so I've been sitting here trying to figure out how to allow people to specify like returns from functions, uh, right now. So I think, so, so there's a couple of things. So I think when people look at norm, if anybody's looked at norm, which I don't know that many people have, but when people look at norm, I think what they see is like a replacement for Ecto or rather like a replacement for Ecto change sets. And in fact, like one of the first, you know, most everybody who looks at it, their immediate reactions, like, you know, why doesn't it cast? Like, why doesn't it take a map with string keys and turn it into a struct or like turn it into a map with atom keys or whatever, any of these kinds of things? Why doesn't it do casting? Um, and I think that's a fair question because if you're looking at it, like that, that's, that's like the lens that I think most people look at this stuff through. That's how they kind of gauge these things. But the thing is, norms not really about, that's not really what norms about. Like norms not really about transforming your data in that kind of way, like, like mapping it from one set of things to the other set of things. Um, it may do that in the future, but I have to like work out the API for that. What norm is really about is about being able to specify any arbitrary Elixir data as it moves through your system. So it's closer to like a dialyzer replacement than it is an ecto chain set replacement. It does runtime. But it does it at runtime. And so the trick, because you're at runtime, you can kind of do both. Uh, and there's a lot of benefit to being able to do both. Because one, it allows you to drop it in wherever you want. So you can start to you know put these checks wherever you want them, wherever they make the most sense. And because you can specify any arbitrary values and because you get runtime, you can turn them around and use them to generate that stuff too. And that to me is like where you really start to get into the, the power. And if you, you know, were to do all this casting logic and that kind of stuff, you, you limit your ability to generate the kinds of data that you actually want to generate. Like in the sense that uh, let's say you have a controller and you want to cast some of the parameters that are coming into the controller and you want to convert those into like a meaningful thing. Well, we could do that. Like Norm could do that. But if you do that, what do you generate? Like, what is your spec supposed to generate? Is it supposed to generate the thing that you're casting from, or is it supposed to generate the thing you're casting to? Mm-hmm. Or now do you need like this proliferation of types wherein you, you have to specify every arbitrary, you know, stage of your data as you go, right? That's none of those are ideal. And so we just kind of skirt the whole problem by not solving that. Uh, but it also means that we have to be able to like allow you to say things like this function is going to return an okay or error tuple. And I need to be able to like specify that. 
And so that's the thing I worked out last night. I finally figured out how to, how to make that work. And it, it, it looks like really simple when you go and look at it now in the docs, it's like, seems super obvious, but that took a long time to make sure that that was like the right API. And that was how we wanted to do it. So what were the, what were the struggles coming up with the API? What were some of the other ideas? Um, so right now we use this like spec macro that transforms any function into a norm specification. So it's the only macro in the entire library and it just takes functions. So for a long time, like I think I was trying to shoehorn like atoms and tuples and those sorts of things into that spec macro. Um, so you could kind of like build up these sort of more arbitrary predicates. But, um, I think, I think that just ended up being wrong. And so we tried that for a long time. I went back and forth on like, is this even a good idea? Like, how are we going to support these other ideas? And, you know, how are we going to support these other features that I want to do if we, if we go down this route, do I want to support unions? You know, like, am I ready to take that on? Is that a good pattern I want people to utilize? And at the end of the day, like we decided that it was, I decided that it was, it's, it's a necessary, I, it's a necessary thing to add to the library. So now you can say though, like uh, you, you can have a union of an okay or an error tuple and the, you know, the term for the okay tuple can be whatever you want. The, t- the term for the error tuple can be whatever you want. And so you can validate function calls and ensure that there are returning those things like every time. And you can, uh, Again, because you can kind of like dig into all these different pieces, parts of your data, you can like add more and more and more specificity to all the, the kinds of stuff that you're going to be returning. So this is a nice way to prove that, you know, to sort of validate or guarantee that your, your systems are, are returning the right stuff. So are you using this in any uh, production systems yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we use, we're using this in um, the service I'm currently working on at Bleach Report. That's awesome. Cool. That's got an, that definitely has enough traffic going that it's been through its paces. Yeah, I mean it's 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 nice. Well, and plus it get, like gives us real use cases to like draw from where we're like, ah, it doesn't support these things, or it needs to do this or that or whatever. But yeah, but I mean the other cool thing is like you can also again as always you can turn around and you can generate this stuff. So if you say I have a union of stuff and this function is going to return a this union, whether it's you know an OK tuple with the stuff or an error tuple with the error. You can actually turn around and generate that. Well, now you have like a stub for that function call. Um, you can like, and it, it's property testable. So you've been using this in, in, in your tests too? Well, that I built like literally, well, no, I mean the generation stuff I built a while ago, but this specific thing with unions I built last night. But it's cool because now you can actually like stub out your, uh, you know, some HTTP client, let's say, or something like that. And, or do, do some side effecty thing. And you can have you know all the stuff that interacts with all the, the 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 results of calling those things. You can now fairly trivially property test those things because it's going to um, it's going to you know randomly choose between those uh, between that union and it's going to like dig into your like data that you specify and randomly choose like that kind of stuff and randomly generate all that stuff too. So you get kind of stubs now, just kind of for free. Oh, that's cool. Nice. Which seems pretty pretty rad. It does seem pretty rad. So I'm uh, curious with... So a lot of the times that I use specs or, or dialyzer, a lot of it is documentation. And I look mm-hmm. at dialyzer almost as documentation testing also. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
does Norm currently or have future plans to be able to inject into the documentation? I was thinking about that last night. I don't think there's any way for us to do that because it's not blessed. Like there's no way for us to like hook into the actual docs. And so the way I tell people to do this is to define their types as functions um, inside their modules. And we specifically, we define like an S function, which sort of is analogous to like the type T Mm-hmm. That's on a lot of like built-in. That's on like a lot of modules that de- define structs and stuff like that. So we define a type. We define an S function because spec mm-hmm. um, specification. And I, I have a plans to add a describe function to Norm, so you can say like describe, and you can give it a specification, and it'll tell you what that is. So that's kind of like the half measure that allows us to be in, be in an IEX session and be like, what does this actually take? And then be able to say, oh, it takes, you know, this specification of stuff and describe what that looks like. Nice. That's, that's in the works, but it's not, it hasn't been built yet. Yeah. I I didn't know if the changes that had been made to the documentation and try to make the documentation work across different languages would have any tie-ins for us, but I don't think so. Cause like in order for us to do that, I think you have to, uh, there's probably a way to do it. Like the way you could conceivably do it is to like hook into the, you have to fake it. Basically you have to like kind of hack it, but like, cause the doc, the, like X doc, as far as I understand, doesn't allow you to do this kind of stuff. It just hooks into, you know, you know, the built-in type and spec stuff. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> It, it would be neat if the that if the documentation stuff got exposed somehow programmatically, so it would be easy for library authors to add extensions, things like that. Maybe they are somewhere. I want to dig in. Um, all right, y'all yeah, have fun. I'm sorry that I have to log off. Oh yeah, you're running. Yeah, I will see you all next week. All right, see you, Anna. Sounds good. See you, Anna. Bye. Right. I can't wait to catch up with Anna next week. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'm excited just to see everybody. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I did last night. At about like 10 o'clock, I had this like, I finally like committed. I think that's it. It's not even so much a breakthrough as it is just like being ready to commit to a design decision, mm-hmm. which I, for some of this stuff, occasionally struggle with. I'm I'm running into that right now, actually, with a, a project where I have to get feeds from multiple cameras. Mm-hmm. And need to be able to configure those cameras separately. They all have their own IP addresses and everything and, and pull in MJPEGs off of them. And they all have to be configured separately. They are kind of started and stopped as a whole. And just just getting my mind to exactly what I want. And I think I just need to commit to a design because that's the problem. It's killing me and it's made my side project that I'm really truly excited about and I think is helpful to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, not not for programming, but like the actual product it, I think is super helpful. So I'm excited, but I just, every time I sit down to look at it, I just get so overwhelmed by how am I going to put this together? Even I so totally much, feel that I write, I write tests constantly. Mm-hmm. And on this project I've written none because I mm-hmm. keep feeling like nothing is solidified in my head enough to, to write it. Yeah, that, that's a tough spot. I, I totally empathize with that. I, I feel like 
so many of my projects hit that point where I can see the end. Like I can see like the benefit, but getting from A to B, you know, it's this like litany of small micro decisions that need to be made. And that's really tough. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause you, you do have to kind of commit to stuff in a vacuum and, and it, and if it's not clicking, that can feel really bad. Like it can feel really debilitating. So, so how do you overcome that? Like it's that initial start to the project that like I can throw some stuff together and I look at it and I think, okay, well this, I'm just spiking this out. Mm-hmm. And then that's where I seem to have a problem getting past it. Once I get a project actually going with Tess and even uh, ha- what I consider a halfway decent solution architecture, whatever you want to call it, then it's easy for me to iterate on it. But that beginning can take me forever. So what do you do to, to push yourself whenever you're stuck on stuff like that? It's a good question. I don't know that I'm great at this, to be clear. I think I'm actually potentially pretty bad at this. But I have some... I have a couple tricks to try. I mean, part of it's just like, you got to be in the right place at the right time, right? You know, you got to be, I feel like you, you have to, you have to arrange these sorts of things so that when, when, when you do get that flash of insight, you're ready to sort of take action on it, or at least jot those things down and at least kind of like work through some of that. You know, you have to have, you have to be ready to like, to capture that insight whenever it comes out. So I think that's part of it, but I don't know, like in terms of trying to make forward progress, I I do, I I spike a lot of stuff. I write a lot of like tests that I'll end up throwing away. I think that's a holdover from, from all the TDD I did at one point in my life. You know, I'll try to like use the API in tests and see if it's like working. And I, I try to start like really high level. Like what is the thing? What do I actually want the thing to do? And just start with a test that does the thing. But that that sort of means that you'd have to know like the concrete you, you know end result. Right. Mm-hmm. So that can not like that itself can be hard to to do. You know, lately I've been I, I've been I've been trying just to think through stuff more. And I've been allowed giving myself that that time to sort of say, like, I'm gonna consider a lot of these options before I build anything. Or I'll build like very, very small prototypes and then throw them away. That tends to help a little bit for me. And then, and then I think part of it's just like walking away from it, doing something else. Like doing something else in a totally different domain or a totally different uh, language or just, you know, like, like giving your brain time to like relax, like going for a run. I don't know, like, you know, going like playing some music or, you know, you're finding something else like sitting there, like bashing away at it. It's probably not going to work because it's clearly yeah. like not working now. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I'll do things that allow my brain to reset or, you know, drift or whatever. It's like, yeah, like I, I think about this a lot, like, especially when I go run, it's, it feels like the opposite of meditation, you know, or meditation, you're, you're, you're sort of the, the med- like, if you have a meditation practice, right? Like the practice part is that, you're supposed to, you're trying to quiet your mind so you can be in the moment and, you know, acknowledge your thoughts as they're happening and not be controlled by them. And, you know, all these, all these things, right. There's a bunch right. of different ways to, to do a meditation practice. I feel like that's super useful. And I've really valued the time when, when I've done meditation. Well, like I've really valued that. 
I think that there's a, a flip to that, which is something like I've kind of also le- learned to embrace a little bit, which is like having a period of time in my life for my to allow my brain just to like run wild. Mm-hmm. And that's often like when I'm running or like whatever, you know, doing something, something like that. It's like, I don't run, I'll try not to like listen to music. I don't listen to podcasts. And then I just kind of let, let my brain just like wander where it wants to wander. And it's almost kind of like it's defragging. Like, you know what I mean? It, it's almost like that gives it a chance to sort of like get all this, all the, you know, for these thoughts to like go everywhere. And I, I'm not sure this is healthy or good and, and you know, or like whatever, like, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know nothing, but like, it feels useful to me to have that sort of unstructured thought time. Yeah. And often I'll come back from a run and be ready and like, and like have it worked out where I'm like, nah, like I just need to do this. And I think there's something immediate about that too. Like you get your heart rate going a little bit and you're, you're sort of more inclined to make decisions about, you know, like, no, nah, I'm just going to go forward with this. Like I, I, there's something about that for me where I, I come back and I sort of feel more confident mm-hmm. to make the kinds of decisions I need to make. Yeah, that's fair. I've noticed that before too. I think a lot lately in my life, it's been there. It, there's constant stimulation yeah. uh, and it's been nonstop because when it's not work, it's, it's kids or mm-hmm. uh, trying to get other things going. And, and I may, I really do need that probably probably need to yeah. make time every day to just de-stimulate yeah yeah let my brain go um i remember there was a podcast bored and brilliant that was all about being bored and lots of research and it was pretty cool that's Um, interesting i think i mean i think there's something to that i think there's something to the idea of uh you know allowing those quiet times to enter mm -hmm. your life yeah yeah i need to take a break then but not like a week long break, just like a, a small break during the day would probably be good. Mm-hmm. That might help me. I've been running, I've been doing just about daily runs for the two the last two weeks. And just, that's a pretty short amount of time, you know, on the, on the scale of, you know, uh, making sweeping giant changes to your life. And that's that it's, it's, it's remarkable how much of a difference that will make big changes in your life. No, just like doing something, having some time, whether it's active or not, like having some time a day where you're not distracted by a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I don't even know what that looks like anymore. <laughs> I know, right? Like how do you have an hour to your life? Uh, yeah. of your life that's just your hour. Yep. Yeah, maybe uh, lunch would just be a good time to do that. Spend, have lunch prepared already mm-hmm. so I can eat it quickly and then just be me. Mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. a bit i have a uh I, I will also say like i have a, a pie hole at at our house like that runs our uh, dns we run our dns through that and so we can yeah. like block stuff and whitelist and blacklist things and mm-hmm. it'll just like block tons of ads and stuff and i uh added like tons i had, instead of like host filing websites i add them to pie hole because it's way harder it's like, it's, it's not that hard to, you know, open up your Etsy host file and like change that again, if you want to get back to some website, and it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's not enough of a blocker for me. Adding it to Pi-hole basically means I'm never going to like go in there and change it. Cause it's just, it's like, it's way more annoying to go up there and like edit it. And I feel way more guilty about doing it too, for whatever reason. <laughs> I, uh, I, I feel you. I use a Pi-hole too. And I, I've done that a few times. Uh, yeah. I put 
Amazon on there actually. Oh, so really? That, <laughs> so that I couldn't watch Amazon video yeah. for like for a week. And, and there were a couple of times that I actually got on there and I think it has to do with putting in that password, right? Like as soon yeah, as I'd started yeah. typing that password, it was, you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I've, I put stuff like Twitter and the Elixir forum and like all kinds of stuff on there just because those things are distractions that I don't really need throughout a lot of the day. And having that little bit of inertia working against you to, to like just open those things up really mm-hmm. does do wonders for your ability to sit down and focus on the stuff that's important in front of you. At least for me, like, I mean, I, you know, your mileage may vary, but it helps me somewhat. Yeah. I think my problem is whenever I do have that moment of free time, I think, what do I need to focus on? And then it's like, well, I need to read this blog post or I need to do this or I need to do that. And, and there's, I just haven't given my brain that moment to say, Hey, shut up. It's okay. You can get to that later. Or maybe that blog post isn't important. And most of the time it's not (laughs) saying no to things like that's super hard. That's uh, saying no to things is, is the majority of it. Just like, I'm not going to do this. This is just not important. And that's my problem too. When I look at, you know, all the things that I could be working on, it's like, well, there's 30 things, even just Mm -hmm. getting prepped for Elixir conf. It's like, what do I got to actually do? There's a bunch of stuff I want to do, but what what are the things I actually have to do? It's like, I have to get a talk prepped, which means I have to work on the things that I'm going to be speaking about. I need mm-hmm. to prep a training, you know? So that means I got that kind of stuff, but like what actually is important about prepping the training? You know, like what, what are the key aspects of prepping a training? Like working all that out is actually really hard. It's like looking for that minimum viable product of your life. <laughs> like, like I feel yes. like I, I need a Kanban <laughs> board and I need to say, ask myself five times why on everything that I want to put on mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Well, and having a file somewhere that's like, I'll get to this someday. That's a real good, that's a real good file to have. Just like dump lots of blog posts and whatever else you might read one day. Yeah. Feels, that, that feels better than shoving them into your actual to-do list. Drop them in dev null, move on. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, that, that would probably make me feel a lot better if I had that file just to say, yeah, I might. Yeah, yeah. It, it it helps me feel better about it emotionally when I discard those things. I know that I can't have very many tabs open in a browser mm-hmm. because otherwise I get overwhelmed. I have to discard them for the same reason. So, like so they say ABC, needs to go. ABC, always be closing your tabs. That's that's right. And then I see those people that all all you can see is the little bitty icon. Mm-hmm. Like the only thing you can click on it's is just, the it's, X. It's become one tab at some right. point. They just <laughs> fade into just one tab now. Uh, I did have a, a, a plugin for Chrome one time. I can't remember the name of it. That if you tried to open a tab to something you'd already had open, it would just close it and go over to that tab. Mm. That's convenient. It was super helpful when I'm working because it's like, I already have the ticketing system open somewhere, but sometimes it's faster to type it than to find it. So I just type it and then it would open up. So that helped me in that way. I don't know. It was a weird tangent there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I know you got stuff you got to do. Yeah, I do. I do. I've got stuff I've got to do. We got prep for Elixir Conf. Everybody's going to be at Elixir Conf when this comes out anyway. So let's keep this one. uh, Let's keep this one nice and tight and get on up out of here. 
Sounds good. See everybody there. Right. <laughs> later. Talk to you later. Bye.